0: I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles to three places. <clears throat> I'm not preaching out to any of them. I just want to see in your, if they're in your version. Uh, I want you to go to uh, Isaiah chapter 40, Psalm 27, and Proverbs chapter 27. So it would be uh, in, those, in that order, Isaiah <clears throat> chapter 40, and then Psalm 27, and Proverbs 27, and we'll look at those, and then we'll, uh, we'll get started. Uh, not an unfamiliar verse. Uh, in Isaiah chapter 40, I'm sure you've seen it many, many times. You've heard it. You've heard it preached on. Uh, last verse. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Now look, if you will, to uh, Psalm 27. And in Psalm 27, look at the last verse again, verse 14. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage. And he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Now go to Proverbs chapter 27. And look at the 18th verse. It says, Whosoever keepeth the fig tree shall eat the fruit thereof. So he that waiteth on his master shall be honored. Let's bow our heads and let's talk to the author of these words. Father, it is good to be saved, God. And it is good to be in church. Probably, God, probably somebody came here this morning. They don't feel real great. Might have a headache. Might feel a little sick. Might be discouraged. There's probably somebody that came that they just didn't feel like coming. But they came. And I think that in itself is an act of worship for you. Uh, they choose you above them. And so bless those folks. God, bless somebody that uh, came here this morning. I pray they've been blessed by the singing. I hope that uh, if they were here for Sunday school, something helped them. I pray God something will help them in this uh, this service. But edify your people, God. Uh, edify your people that they being edified would then leave here to live to your glory. In Jesus Christ's name I pray, amen. Well, I think you saw the common theme, wait, 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 uh, in all three of those verses. Uh, I've often said it this way, guys, uh, if you view the Christian life, from the day you got saved, From that day, you have lived the rest of your life at a bus stop. I'm not a bus stop. Sure you are. What do you go to a bus stop for? You want to go someplace, so you go to this bus stop, and you wait for the guy to come by and pick you up and take you where you want to go. Okay. Aren't you waiting for somebody to pick you up and take you where you want to go? Yeah. Yeah. I've been waiting for uh, about 53 years. I've been waiting for him to come waiting for him to come. And I told Dr. Rutman some years ago, I said, you know, if God would have read your revelation commentary, we'd have been out of here by now. But um, um, we spend the rest of our life at a bus stop. I remember when I got saved, I was 20 years old, and um, uh, there were some white haired old men at that bus stop. Good men, good men. And uh, good ladies. And some of them, they found, they found they took a flight. They did not wait for the bus, okay? But we're still waiting for the Lord to come back. And, uh, especially, you know, the Isaiah chapter, chapter 40, uh, verse 41, you read that and you go, well, yeah, we need to wait for the Lord to come. Yes, we do. We do. We do. And I've been waiting uh, and I'm still waiting and I'm for it. And I still think he's coming in my lifetime. Okay. I mean, he's got to come in somebody's lifetime, right? I vote me. It just makes good sense to me. I like, I like me going. All right. But that's not what we talked about today, this morning. I'm not going to talk to you about uh, the rapture, or the blessed hope, uh, the catching away, the translation, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I'm not going to talk to you about uh, wait for the Lord to come back and get you, because you're going to do that one way or another. Isn't that true? But if, uh, you know, guys, uh, a lot of words have different meanings, and um, there is there are some other definitions for the word wait. Some of you, after this service, um, around three, you will... Um, You'll be going to a restaurant. Somebody's going to take your order and bring you your food. And what do you call them? I mean, they can be repeated. A wait, a waiter or a waitress, correct? Why? Because they wait on you. If you look at Proverbs chapter 27, look at verse 18 again. Whoso keepeth the fig tree shall eat the fruit thereof, so he that waiteth on his master shall be honored. A servant waits on his master. Uh, I don't know of a Christian that I, they may not be serving the Lord, but they sure, they, they sure think they do, or they talk about being a servant of God. <clears throat> and so I want to talk to you this morning uh, about some waiters and waitresses that we have known. Uh, we have been on the road, you know, uh, uh, Kathy went, we went 30 years, the lady went without a, a house anywhere. Um, and uh, I told her when we when we moved to Boise uh, and, and we finally sold the motorhome, I said, uh, we're going to buy a house, you know. And I said, I'm not looking, I'm not looking for a house. And she said, why not? I said, because if I like it and you don't, you'll settle for it. And I said, you spent 30 years on the road, no house whatsoever, a different place every week, and you never complained. Now, I'm sure she went to God, and I'm sure there's some tears shed, but she never complained, never, never, never had a bad word, never nothing. And I said, if I like a house and you don't, you're just going to go ahead and accept it. And I said, you are not going to spend the rest of your life in a house that you just have to put up with. So I said, you buy the house. I'm a man. I can sleep in the garage, which I... I've done uh, uh, numerous, numerous times, okay? I, I, lay claim, I, cl- I lay claim to the garage. You ladies would be appalled by my garage. You would be appalled by my office. You would be appalled by my tool shed out in back. Those are mine. Everything else is hers. And um, uh, we, have, but anyway, we've been, we've been on the road. And, and I'm sure Brother Marshall, the marshals can, can uh, testify. You go to restaurants. You eat in restaurants a lot when you're on the road. And there are all kinds of waiters and waitresses. And I'm just going to tell you some of the experiences we have, have had with waiters and waitresses uh, in the years. We're still on the road. We, uh, you know, because of the college, uh, I fly uh, uh, during the school year. This year is in two meet. or this month is in two meetings. Next month, I'll be in Michigan, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, and Texas. That's April. Uh, and then May, we graduate the kids, middle of May. Hook up the trailer, and then we're gone. And it's a meeting every week, every week, every week. And we get back at the end of August and uh, start back with school. So, so we we spend time in restaurants. And I understand this. Do you understand this? Don't we claim we're servants of God? Well, aren't we supposed to wait on the Lord? And so, you know, you can take uh, you can take it, um, uh, wisdom, advice, whatever, instruction. From watching somebody do their job and say, they did that well. I'm going to do that like that. Ooh, they didn't do so good. I think I won't do it like that. Isn't it true? You know, know, my father, um, my father was a hardworking man. Uh, I watched my dad work. I learned to work. I love to work. I really do. People talk about work. Well, it is a four-letter word. But uh, I love work. I mean, I really do. I don't do much of anything. I, I don't fish or hunt or, or any of that. Uh, I work. I've been working on a book every time, every, about every moment we haven't been in this room. I've been working on a book this week, working on it um, in the airports. I've written books on airplanes. Uh, I like working. I really do. I, I enjoy that. But we are supposed to work for the Lord. So my dad, I watched my dad, and my dad worked hard, and I learned how to work. My dad loved my mom. He really did. And you know what that? I watched that. I learned how to love my wife. I watched my dad, I saw what he did right, and I said, "I'm going to do that." Now, this is not a joke. I was an unwanted child. I think probably you guys can understand why. But um, they wanted two children. My parents wanted two children. they had a girl, they had a boy, and they were done. And then they had me, two years later. I was what was known in 1950 as a surprise. Today, I would be known as an abortion. Now, really, think about it, guys. Don't you think surprise is a better word? Have you ever walked into a dark room, and all of a sudden, the lights came on, and there were party decorations, and people had noisemakers, and little pointed hats, and yelled, abortion! I mean, surprise is a better word. But because, and and honest, uh, the the culture, our our, our ethnic background was Romanian, uh, and uh, in the Romanian culture, if you cannot afford a child, or for some reason, don't want them, you adopt them out to someone you know, and they, you watch them grow, and they know who their parents were. I've seen that in the Romanian church before I got saved. And my parents almost adopted me out of the family to my rich uncle. <laughs> my rich uncle. Anyway, um, and so I can't tell you, I cannot tell you, ever hearing my father say, son, I love you. Because he was not a liar. He was a good man. He was never abusive to me. He was a good man. I would I would fight for him. I would die for him today. I love my dad. He's a good man. Just because he had no feelings for me, that does not make him a bad man. He was a hardworking man. But I watched my dad work, and I took what he did good, and I, I tried to apply it to myself, and I tried to work. I watched my dad love his, his wife, and I learned how to love my wife. My boys love their wives. Okay. I watched my dad never say I love you. Now, couldn't I, we have three boys. Now, they're all old grown and in prison. But um, couldn't I spend all of my life never telling them I love them and say, Well, my dad never said it to me, so I never said it. Or couldn't I say, I will take that example and not do it. And to this day, to this day, uh, you know, they live, really. You know, you know what's nice when you live on a the road? They give, you, they give you trouble, leave them. At a gas station. And so now they do. They do indeed live in three different time zones. They all have their own gas station. But um, to this day, I'll just text them and I'll just say, son, I love you. I'll, I'll, I'll text John, text Nathan, Nathan, text Luke. Uh, or I'll, I'll write and I'll say, yeah, I'm glad you're my son. You say, why? Because I do love them and I am glad they're my sons. I really do. So I watched what I thought my dad did correctly. And I, 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 I added that. I saw what I didn't think my dad did correctly, and I didn't add that. I added something that I thought was was better. Okay, we're going to look at some waiters and waitresses, and we have seen some of them do it well, and we have seen some of them should not be their occupation. Okay, they should do brain surgery or something like that. But um, uh, and and we're we'll talking about waiters and waitresses, uh, and you're going to laugh because some of it's funny, and um, and some of it's crying. But um, I, I want you to get it because. You're a waiter. You men, you're waiters. And you ladies, you're a waitress. Have you ever been in a restaurant and you saw a waiter or waitress so busy because the place was just jamming and they'd say, I'm sorry, I couldn't get to you. I got this table and this table and this table. You ever see that? Okay, can you do this? You hear that old statement, you had one job to do. You're a waiter or waitress. You have only one customer. If you can't get this right, what, you, what, what excuse are you going to use? So, I'm going to tell you what a good waiter and waitress does. And uh, you just check yourself out. See where you come in. Uh, the very first thing, I know this may sound um, you know, like I'm making it up, but the first thing a waiter or waitress does is they notice you. You say, well, how could they not notice you? Well, I don't know how they cannot notice you, but let me tell you what happened. Now, Now, I don't know who did this, but did you ever notice... That that if you go into an empty room, uh, a restaurant, and there's people only sitting at one table, why did they sit you next to them? I mean, I am not a spy. I'm not. I don't want to hear what they're saying, or I, and I'm not going to say anything that I'm worried about them saying. But we were in Florida one time, uh, and we went this, Kathy, we went to this, uh, Kathy and I, we went to this uh, restaurant, and the place is empty, which should have told us something. And at the back wall is a booth, and there's two guys at. They are the only customers in the restaurant. And they took us and sat us at the booth right next to him, but actually, that was a good thing, because then I knew the, the waiter had no excuse. You can't walk out to this booth and not see people at that booth, right? He could. You know how they seat you, and they go, uh, here's your restaurant, him, uh, here's your menu, I'll get you some water, uh, and the waiter will be with you in a little while, right? Oh no. The guy never brought us menus. He never brought us water. He never, he came back and forth, back and forth. He, and these weren't his friends. You could tell he was like in conversation, caught up with two buddies They were just two customers, but he'd go back to the kitchen, come back to their table, go back to the kitchen, come back to their table. He never acknowledged we existed. He never looked over at us one time. For 20 minutes, at least, because I can't tell time much beyond 20 minutes, but 20 minutes, I'm watching this guy. He's coming, he's going, and he's over here. And he never, if he did just one time said, I will be with you. You know, I'm so busy right now. And, and guys, uh, have you noticed there's a lot of restaurants in this country? Okay. And I, and I, and I look, and I know what you're going to think. See, a lot of people think I am not a nice person. Well, I'm not. But I'm nice to people. And I'm not abusive to people that are in a servant's job. The people that clean my room at a motel, I'm always very nice to them. People that wait on me, I, I do that. I appreciate it. People that clean bathrooms. I'm in a restaurant. I tell a guy to clean the bathroom, thanks for what you do. Don't you want a clean bathroom? Well, thank them, okay? Don't shake their hand, but, but thank them. And, and I just said, Kathy, and I'm not upset, I'm not mad, but I said, you know, I told you, I'm dying. And I just died for 20 minutes. I had 20 minutes of life go by with absolutely nothing accomplished. And so I told Kath, I said, babe, I said, there's too many restaurants in this country. I said, we'll just go someplace else to get lunch. So we get up to leave. And 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 as we're walking out, the manager says, how was your meal? (laughs) Now, wait a minute. Did you notice I didn't say I went to him and complained? I did not complain to the manager. I didn't walk out in a huff. We weren't mad. We just, we were hungry and we didn't want to starve to death in this restaurant. And so... As we're walking out, the guy said, how was your meal? And I said, uh, well, doc, I said, I can't tell you. I said, we sat there for 20 minutes, and the guy never never even acknowledged we were there. And he goes, you go back in right now, and I will guarantee you'll be, you'll be waited on in 30 seconds. I said, by an angry waiter? I mean, there are some people you don't want to get angry. And I got a feeling the guy carrying my food from the kitchen to my table we want a good relationship, okay? I mean, I'm mean, i not going to marry him or anything, but I, want him to, I don't want him to be angry because a lot can happen to that food. And I just told him, I said, I said, thank you very much, but I said, we'll just go down the road. And we got in our truck and we went about a, a half a block down the road, pulled, pulled into another restaurant and got waited on instantly. But a good waiter or waitress notices you. Have you ever been in a, wait, in, in a, in a restaurant and, and suddenly thought, you? I think I, I finally accomplished it. I lost weight. They can't even see me. You know, guys, have you ever noticed them? I saw one where a lady stepped into an open freight elevator on a sidewalk. Because I, do you saw the one where the guy is looking at this and walked into a fountain? Did you ever see it? You know why? So busy with these that we don't notice what's around us. You understand about America? Are we not the nation of time-saving devices? So we've got all these time-saving devices, and we have no time. <laughs> you know, on Monday when my, when my uh, when I was a kid, <clears throat> my mom never had an automatic washer. My dad did. It was my mom, and um, my mom never had. She had a Dexter Ringer washer. And she thought she was in high cotton when my dad bought her a two-tub Dexter. And and, so she, and Monday was wash day. From morning to evening, she was doing the wash. And then she went out to the automatic dryer that was hung between the house and the garage and clipped our laundry out there. You women could do my mother's Monday laundry probably in a matter of three hours, and you would have to stand there all day when you did it. Isn't that true? So where's the extra time? And you know what's happened? We've gotten so I see, I don't think sin is our greatest problem. You no, know I think it is. I think it's distractions. And you're so distracted with so much so much stupid little stuff, you don't even notice him. You don't notice. Have you, have you noticed anything about the Lord? Have you noticed anything about your life that you're you're not doing anything for him? I'm not accusing you guys, understand? I'm not saying that you're not doing anything for him, but Maybe if you checked yourself out, you wouldn't be so proud of your service. Some years ago, I was in Austria, and uh, we went into a restaurant. And sure enough, I sat down there with a missionary and his wife and I think some other folks. and And we're sitting in this Austrian restaurant. Nobody's coming. But over here, sitting by himself was this guy. And, and he's sitting at a table, smoking a cigarette, and he is burning holes through us with his eyes. He's just staring at us. I thought, obviously, he found out how the war turned out. And he's just staring at us. And I'm thinking, what is this guy's problem, you know? And and, and I said, uh, where's our waiter? And the missionary says, oh, he'll, he'll be by. You know, this is Europe. And so we sat there and sat there. And then the guy, when he got done with the cigarette, put it out and walked over and waited on us. <laughs> He was mad. We messed this up. messed up his smoke break, and he wasn't gonna. He wasn't gonna inconvenience himself for any customer. My goodness, people! You know what our greatest problem is? We don't want to be inconvenienced with God. Do you know what the attitude of most of our people are? I'm, look, I'm in good churches. I'm in churches like this one. It's pastor. It is not fair that I should have to say no to myself or anything just because I'm Christian. Now, I'm not talking about sin. I'm talking about every fun, every entertainment, uh, every everything that I can benefit from. And we are so busy, we never notice. What do I could do for him? And so a good waiter waitress notices you. I, I know this will sound strange, but a good waiter waitress brings you what you want. You know what I am not interested in when I go in a, in a, in a restaurant? My waiter's favorite meal. Oh, I I, I I like that. Well, I'm not buying you anything, pal. I, they bring you what you want. Um, I was, we were in a, in a, uh, restaurant. This is when all three boys were with us. And you ever hear um, a restaurant called a greasy spoon? They call it a greasy spoon. Yeah. Yeah. That's not an overstatement. My boys and I would play a game. You know how a salt shaker is kind of wide at the, wide at the, narrow at the top and wide at the bottom. What we would do is we would try to pick it up with two fingers and see how far we could get off the table before it slid back down. Really, I mean, just grease all over it. Uh, I can remember we took Luke, he was a baby. They had an old high chair that did not even have a strap to hold him in. But that was no problem, because when he, she put him in, he stuck. <laughs> you could pick him up, and the, and the high chair would come off the floor. I, I had a short sleeve shirt on, and I got, my, I got my arm on the table like this, and when I picked it up, it just kind of peeled off of there, okay? And I had enough food to feed a family of five. I, um, the waitress came and I held up my fork. I said, um, you think I could have a clean fork? It looks like the last guy had eggs. Say, did she bring you a clean fork? No, she charged me for the eggs. And they had a special. You know how they have a special? Um, you know, salad to me. Salad is a pile of bacon with one piece of lettuce. That's salad. But they had a, a, a special where you get the salad and the meal and dessert. If you get the special, so we got the special, and uh, it was a salad, and then whatever your entree was, and then a bowl of ice cream. So the waitress takes our order, goes into the kitchen, and promptly brings us our ice cream. She even brought the salad. Now, you know I'm not a I'm not a great uh, physicist, but I know ice cream does not last long. And so then she finally brings the salad, and finally, and all, the, all we end up having chocolate soup. Okay. You know what a waitress does? They find out what you want, and they bring what you want. I'm sorry, guys. You know, most of us, when we pray, we don't talk to God. We talk to Santa Claus. We don't ask God what we can do for him. We tell him what he can do for us. Isn't that true? Listen to your prayers. Listen to your prayers. Lord, here's what you can do for me. Do this for me today. Do this for me, and don't let this happen, and give me a raise. We give, we give him instructions every morning like he is our servant. When just the, just the exact opposite is true. How many times you get up? I got a book out there. I'll, I might sh- uh, show it to you tonight. I, I, it's been here before called, for, uh, used to be called For His Pleasure. We changed the name. It's called, because uh, I don't want to, I don't want to sell a book in today's society called For His Pleasure. Uh, and uh, it's called uh, Your Purpose for Existing. Guys, I think the greatest verse in the Bible is Revelation chapter 4, verse 11. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. I think every breathing being on this planet was put here for one reason, and one reason only put a smile on the face of your creator. And I don't know how you count success. I really don't. Maybe it is a rack on a deer. Maybe it is, uh, you know, how much mileage you get, how many square feet you have. But I got news for you. If you can pillow your head at the end of a day, and say, I think today, I think something I did, put a smile on his face, you've been a success. So I believe that we are here to please him. And I had a pastor, he's a good man, been a friend for 40 years. Uh, I had a pastor, and he, he read that book, and he said, this book changed my life. He said, it changed my prayer. He said, Basically, every morning I would get up and I'd say, God, here's what you can do to put a smile on my face. He said, now I get up every morning and say, God, what can I do for you today to put a smile on your face? You know what that is? That's a waiter. That's a servant. And we're supposed to be giving God what he wants. You know what we do? Instead, we give him what we want to give him. I was a youth director, church of 2,000 people. And I had a young man in my youth department. He was a good basketball player, but that's about it. I mean, he was as carnal as a fireplug. I mean, he just was pretty much worthless unless you grind him up for dog food. He had that value. But um, he came in my office one day. I can still see it. You know, there's just some folks that when they wax spiritual, it doesn't fit. You ever see a guy wear a suit? And You know, that guy does not always wear a suit. Put a, put a suit on a farmer. You'll know he's a farmer in a suit. And this kid comes in and he's waxing spiritual. And I thought, this ain't him. So he sits down across my desk and goes, Brother Gip, I just want to let you know that I just gave my basketball talent to God. Stupid me. I didn't even know God was getting up a team. And basketball, of all things. And I said, really? He said, I said, your basketball talent now belongs to God. Yes. It's his to do with as he pleases. Yes. Now, you know what he means. Go ahead, force fame and fortune on me now, and then I, I asked him the next thing, and the whole contract fell through <laughs> i said so it 's your, your, your basketball talent now belongs to God, right? Yes, I said, what if he tells you never play basketball again he goes i 'll play anyway, shortest NBA contract God ever had. Guys, guys if i uh, if I give my truck to Kevin, this is just an illustration. Again. But I give my truck to him today, and tomorrow I got to move a washer. And I go, ah, oh, you know what? I gave the truck away, but I, I, don't think Kevin's using it. I'll see if I can borrow it. I go, hey Kevin, can I borrow your truck? He goes, no. Well, I gave it to you. I oh, know it's mine. Well, can't you okay, it to me? I got to move a washer. I don't lend my stuff out. He is not wrong. It's his, isn't that true? If I give him my truck and he says you can never use it, of course you can't. I can't use it. It's not my truck anymore. And if you give your basketball talent to God, then it's his. What if he tells you, I'd rather you preach. I'd rather you go halfway around the world to a people you don't even know exist and, and serve them for me, winning them to Christ and starting churches. And so a waiter or waitress, are good. they bring you what you want. Uh, this one gets me. This one is where I I sometimes want to get violent. A good waiter or waitress sweats the small things, the little things. You know what little things are? Butter, creamer for your coffee. Now, I'm going to tell you this, you know, I hate coffee. Drink it all the time. I love cream and sugar. So I cut it with coffee. I use a lot of it. Now, I I confess, I don't eat sugar anymore. I'm not against sugar. I love sugar. I love sugar. Oh, you say, oh, you mean the raw. Uh, No, 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 I like bleached white, no food value. Give me sugar. I have not told many people about this, but I have a medical condition that I suffer from. It is called glaze withdrawal. Now, fortunately, Krispy Kreme, Tim Hortons, and Dunkin' Donuts have set up emergency clinics all across the country. (laughs) And sometimes I just cut a vein and put a little glaze in there and I feel better, all right? I was preaching one time and I was talking about eating sugar. I like sugar. And this young guy came down to me and you know he's one of those guys you kind of worry about? Do you ever have somebody, they're talking to you but looking through you? And this guy comes down and goes like this. Can I ask you a question? I thought, well, that was a pretty good one. I don't know if you get two in a row. <laughs> And I said, yeah, go for it. And he said, well, you talked about sugar like it's good to eat. I said, well, I tried smoking it once, pal. That didn't work. Grips down on your chin. It's worse than hot pizza cheese. You're, you know? And, and he goes, <laughs> he says this. Well, I could eat sugar. And it cleared up half my mind. Now, let me ask you uncompassionate people. I'll bet most of you thought the same thing I thought. Like, we need to check your diet. There's something else you need to quit. You ain't across the river yet, bucko. You're about halfway here. We'll throw you a rope. I like sugar. And then, don't you know, now I use, I use a sweetener, sweetener, okay? Oh, sweetener, do you sweetener? And did you ever notice no matter what you do, there's always a brother in Christ to tell you why you're, why you're doing it wrong? And so this guy, you know, I lost 62 pounds uh, not eating sugar, and we're having coffee, and, and I told him, I don't use you sugar. And I picked up these two pink sweeteners, and goes, oh, that kills brain cells. So I waved it in front of him, and he went, Ugh. And he did, it didn't work. And I, put, I said, yeah, but I said, I monitor myself very closely, and I said, if reality TV ever gets interesting to me, I will know I have killed enough brain cells. I'm going back to show notes. When Guys, when I say, honey, we got to go home, Dancing with the Stars is coming on. I am putting five teaspoons of sugar in my next cup of coffee. I like a lot of cream. I really do. My wife does. My wife likes that cream. I like a lot of cream. Lot, we like sweetener. And, and we'll say, uh, you know, like the, the blue ones and the yellow ones. And We'll go, do you have the pink ones? Yeah. Okay. Could you bring that out with our coffee? And, and they bring out the coffee and set it down. Anything else? I said, oh, yeah, we need those pink sweeteners. Oh, okay. And then they go to Tibet or they're captured by Muslims. I don't know what happens to them. But they, they seem to disappear. They go to another dimension. But I know what they're thinking. You know what they're thinking? The things, some, some, some things you think. Well, sugar is just a small thing, the sweetener. And I'm not going to go all the way to the kitchen and all the way back to this table for such a little thing. But by March or, or by September, I will be going back past that table again. I'll bring them that, bring it then. Do you like put sweetener in cold coffee? I like butter on a baked potato. I don't put anything on it but butter. And and my goal when I eat a baked potato is to clog the last unclogged artery that I have, and it is right here. I tell them, I said, I said, bring enough butter to clog an artery. And they bring out two. And they've been frozen solid. I could throw them and break a window with it. Right? I mean, it's you can't get it. You can put it on fire. It won't, it won't, it won't get soft. And they and and bring those to things. I said, uh, anything else? Why did they say that? They don't mean it. Anything else? I said, yeah, could you bring me about a hundred of these? Well, the potato's cold. But they don't bring it. And by the time they do bring it, the potato is cold. That's a little thing. guys, it's those little things. They're, they're important. But you know why they don't think they're important? Because they're little. You know what our problem is? I'm going to tell you what I think of you guys. And, and you guys know I love you. I really do. I don't think the problem in this room with these people that I'm looking at is big, bad sins. Well, I know you got your flesh to deal with. I know you've got your, your own humanity. But you know what? If, if, if I could guess, and I'm not saying it's one thing, but I'll bet you the problem with you people is a little thing. And you know why you don't get it right with God? Because you look at what's going on in our country. Is there not some big, prominent sin going on in our country? I think you go to a public school one day and you've come out feeling like you were righteous Noah because you have nothing to do with what's going on in there. Isn't that true? So there's a lot of wicked stuff. And so we're just like the lost world at that. We go, well, I'm not like them. And you're not. God bless you for it. But you know what's wrong with us? We get a little sin. We get this little thing in our life and we think because it's little it doesn't matter. It always matters. You know what the Bible the Bible does not say we sing, you know, sin was as black as could be. Sin's not black. Sin is red. That's what that's what Isaiah says in chapter 1 verse 18. Sin is red. he said he said come let us reason together though your sins be as scarlet they shall be as white as snow they be red like crimson they shall be white as wool. There are only two colors of people in the world, white people and red people. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about Caucasians. I'm not talking about Indians. I'm not talking about this. I'm talking about in here. If you are, if you are lost, you are covered with red sin. You think if we could see like God does, you'd think we couldn't pick out the lost and saved. And when you got saved, here's what happened. You got saved. You got down on your knees, red, and got off of your knees, white, and you will never again be red from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. You'll never be lost again. But let me ask you something. You ever eat spaghetti? You ever wear spaghetti? And you get, oh, man. And you get this, it's just a little spot. It's not, a, it's not all over you, just a little spot. Well, who's going to notice a spot? Everybody notices a spot. Oh, hey, by the way, did you see? Right? Everybody sees a spot. Now, they may not know what it is. They say, you think that's spaghetti sauce? You think that's uh, strawberry jelly? You think it's ketchup? Whatever it is, I see it. You know what's wrong with us? We got just a little spot. We are white in the top of our head, the bottom of our feet, and we got a little sin. It's a little spot. And we say, I'm not like I was, and I'm not like them. But everybody sees a spot. They may not know what it is, but they go, you know, there's something wrong. You ever talked to somebody? And you walked away and went, There's something wrong there. And then six months later you find out what was going on behind the scenes. Well, I didn't know what it was. I just I, I couldn't tell if it was ketchup or jelly, but I just I saw a spot. You don't need to be resaved. You need to be rewashed. And you know what you need to do? Check your inventory and see how well you're serving him. And are you taking care of the little things? Are you looking at, at, at what those little things that God wants taken care of? Because it's little things that is our problem. We're not like that. I'm serious. You know what I believe when I preach in church? I think I am talking right now to the best people in the area. You came to church and some of you came Friday and Saturday. Isn't that right? Brother, there's guys... I, we go out to eat, you know, or we go to the motel to get breakfast on a day like today, and everybody's in their shorts and tank tops, and they look at us like we're foreigners. No, we're just doing what we're supposed to do on Sunday. So I think I'm talking to good people, but it's that spot. It's just such a little thing, you think it doesn't matter. It always matters. Everybody sees a spot. And so a good waiter waitress sweats the little things. A good waiter waitress, and I'm not big on attitude, okay? You know, you know here's what a man wants. Let me tell you the difference between men and women. A man wants something done. Hey, get it done. A kid, kid comes home. Dad, can I go play football? Guys have a football. Hey, I told you you're supposed to mow the grass. Mow the grass, then you go play football. But pop, it's going to take me an hour. Then you better get started. Now, could I I tell you parents who have teenage sons, do not buy an electric lawnmower. He needs something that is going to cover everything that he is saying. When he's, oh, I hate mowing the grass. I wish I'd thing stupid thing. I mean, he's taking the top off of roots. He's putting dents in the side of the car, and your wife says, "Well, look at that. He's singing, honey. He's not singing. He's not singing." <laughs> and he gets done, and you say, "Put her away when you come home, son. Go have a good game." And he goes out there, probably tackles harder than he's ever tackled. He comes home. He's pushing the lawnmower into the garage, and there stands mom. I uh, saw you mowing the grass. Yeah, yeah, Dad told me to pull the grass. I I was supposed to do that, and and so I did. I mowed the grass before I went playing football. I know, but it doesn't count because you didn't have a good attitude. You guys, is there anything you ever did that you had to do as part of your job and you didn't have a good attitude about it? But you know when you work with people, you better have a good attitude. If you if you don't have a good attitude, if you're a waiter-waitress, Go work in a coal mine. Go someplace where you have to you don't have to, you know, do something else. And and so I think a good waiter or waitress has a good attitude. Now let me let me tell you this. I, I, I teach preaching over at the college. I teach the great truth. There's only one great truth. Really, this is true. There is one great truth to preaching. And if you if you can get this down, you'll be a great preacher. And here it is. In lieu of conviction, intimidation will work. So what did you just say? Okay, when we preachers preach, you know what we do? We are hoping, what I am hoping, now I'm clean, I get myself clean before I come to a pulpit. But but we hope that something we say, the Holy Spirit reaches down to somebody here, taps you on the shoulder or on the heart and says, ah, that's what you need to take care of. That's called conviction. But if I can't get the Holy Spirit in the room, then I will use intimidation. I will guilt trip you and make you think you're under conviction. Now I'm going to show you how that works. I am going to get you. I'm going to guilt trip everybody in this room, and you cannot stop me. Watch this. Are there a bunch of lost people in your town? You want to get them saved? You want them saved? I got you. And how many of you this week witnessed to a hundred lost people that you say you care about? There's. I didn't witness two hundred losses. You don't care about losses. I don't care about losses. That's not the Holy Spirit. That's intimidation. And and I've noticed. Have you ever been around a Christian? And there's always somebody there to tell you you did something wrong. So there were a bunch of preachers. I wasn't there. There's a bunch of preachers, and and uh, they're in a restaurant because we spend a lot of time there. And this waitress just had. I mean, she was like, her, surely her maiden name was Hitler uh, or Clinton. But anyway, she was just curt and abrupt and not helpful. You ever have somebody like that? Did you ever have a waiter or waitress and you thought, well, they like their job, right? And she is just not nice. I mean, she's not nice. And finally, this one preacher just had enough and he just dressed her down he said, lady. We have not been unreasonable, we've not mistreated you or abused you, but you have, you've been rude, you've been crude, you haven't done your job well. He didn't yell at her anything, and he just gave a good valid description of her job, and she left. And then another preacher said this, because he's the Holy Spirit. And he says to the other preacher, How do you know that she doesn't have some grief in her life right now? How do you know that somebody that she loves just died? And she has a heavy heart. And then you yelled at her. Now, that's not the Holy Spirit. You know what my answer to that is? How does she know I didn't have somebody that I loved just now? How does she know I'm not coming from the funeral of the person I love? You know what I tell my students? I don't care. You're you're about to walk out on that platform and preach. I don't care what your grief is. You leave it there and you don't come to the pulpit. And nobody should know what your personal problems are. They should not know. And a good waiter or waitress has a good attitude. Did you ever stop and think about this? I don't know if you ever did stop and think about this. I, I am not a fan of the t-shirt that says it's all about me. But it's all about you. I mean, it really is. You know what the Lord says in Job? Talks about the Lord. He, or Job says in, 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 uh, in, in the book of Job. He said, Do good. And you don't add anything to God. Do bad. And you don't take anything from Him. Do you understand that there's nothing you can do to hurt Him. And nothing you can do to make Him more God. Which means everything you do that He allows you to do for Him. Win souls, teach, whatever it is. It's all about you. This is a great God, is it not? He gives you an opportunity to get rewards. Now don't come up and go, I I love those people. You say something about earning rewards. They go, I don't serve God are rewards like they're spiritual i said oh let me ask you people a question who instituted the divine reward system god and you got a better idea well god thinks i'm carnal i'll bet you people if there's somebody sitting here right now and you said to yourself well i don't serve god for rewards I'll bet you all shop somewhere where they got a reward system. Give them my phone number. I want points for that. I mean, we, we, we want rewards for where we buy gas, where we buy groceries. I, it, you would walk down a street if it would help your rewards. Isn't that true? And then you say you're not interested in eternal rewards. Go look in a mirror. So, guys, a good, a good uh, Christian or a good waiter has a good attitude. I think you will have a good attitude. Um, there, was a, there was a restaurant in Montana and there was a lady there, that's probably a stretch right there. She worked there, and she was, like, she was like, people came from 50, 60 miles away to eat at this restaurant to see Ruth. I think her last name was Les. She had more hair on her arms than I got on my face. And, and her, her, she came come out and go, what do you want? I mean, you think she's going to pick a fight with you when you want to get the food. And know this, this guy went and he took his mother in law and father in law. I can understand why I would take your mother in law to a place like that, okay? I mean, halfway, Ruth, she didn't like you. What? Anyway, so the mother in law, she's sitting right, she's right across from this guy and she ordered trout. I mean, you're in Montana, you know trout. So Ruth goes back there and he said, I see her come out of the kitchen with the meals. And her, she's, this lady's talking to her husband, and Ruth sticks her big old hairy arm, drops this plate of trout. Fully equipped, fins, head. You know, I have a hard time eating something that's looking at me, eyes, and, and the woman. It just shocked her, and she went. She went. Oh, Ruth. She goes. What's the matter? Oh, 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 oh nothing. I, I, I'm just not used to my fish having a head on it. <laughs> that better. She did it. Twisted the head off of it, threw the fish back. Is that better? You better believe it's better to rip another head off. Well, that might be a novelty, but if you wanted to take your wife to a nice place, you wouldn't take her there. Because you want somebody that's got a good attitude. A a good waiter or waitress thinks only of your satisfaction. Isn't that their job? Has has anybody noticed service has died? Uh, There's a bunch of people in this room. You remember when this was the mantra. Of all businesses, the customer is always right. Isn't that true, Um, uh, brother Niehaus? That runs my company, the 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 publishing company. He and I still subscribe to that. The customer is always right. So we have people send stuff back. They have no right to send it back. We have no obligation to give them their money back. He takes it back every time. You say why? Customer is always right. Well, yeah, but uh, they shortchanged you. The customer is always right. I have no problem with that. I have no bitterness. But that was the mantra till about 1980, and from 1980 to 2020, the mantra became: the customer just needs to understand. Uh, I was in a motel somewhere. Kathy wasn't with me, and uh, on a morning like this, back when they used to clean rooms, um, we would go out. We're going to be going to morning service. You know, I don't want somebody clean my room about three o'clock because we're Baptists. What are we going to be doing about three o'clock? No, sitting here. Let me finish this sermon. Anyway. <laughs> So we go to the desk and we'll say, hey, we're going to be gone for an hour or two. Could, they, could you have them do our room? Sure. So I go out for morning service. I said, I'm going to be gone for about an hour or two. Could you have somebody do my room? Sure. And when I come back and my room is done, I call them up and I say, I asked to have my room done while I was gone. And they, get, they brace themselves. Oh, no. I said, oh, no. I said, no, no, no. I said, I'm calling you. Thank you. Because it is done. It's done nicely. I to tell housekeeping they did well. I don't complain. But I, I do compliment I don't know what happened that day, but I didn't get back to my room for eight hours. Not only was my room not done, the carts were gone. The places, the the, the halls are empty. And I come into a room that looks like, uh, I'm sorry, that's not good service. And so I called the desk and I said, um, hey, uh, I asked you to clean my room. It's not clean. Could you get somebody up here to clean it? Man, I mean, they came, boom, two carts. And then in came the woman in charge of housekeeping. She must have come from the Amazon. She comes walking in like this, strutting in. She goes, well, sir, you're just going to have to understand. That is the last word she said. I killed her. (laughs) She knows where Jimmy Hoffa is. No, I stopped her. Because I look, guys, I'm not taking that. I said, wait, wait, wait. I said, I need to understand I said, I, I asked the desk this morning to have housekeeping, do my room. I was going to be gone for a couple of hours. I said, I come back eight hours later, and it's not done. And you come in and tell me I need to understand. And I just, she, I just told her what her job was. I was not mean. I told her what her job was. And she said she was sorry. So then I let her up, and she went. But um, and, and you know what started in, in 2020? That was bad, 18, 1980 to 2020. You know what the, the mantra business is today? Here's how we do it. We don't care if you like it or not. You don't wear a mask on our airline. You, well, you can't fly with us anymore. You know what we did? They just said, you can never give us money again. Think of a business. That's a mantra. Uh, I get my car washed in a car wash in Boise. I like it. It's right down the street from the church. I pull up. kid. I pay the kid for the car wash. He says, oh, just want to let you know, starting the first of next month, we won't take cash anymore. We only take a car. I said, no problem. I said, starting first of next month, I get another car wash. You say, why? You know what? They don't care. They don't care. The mantra today is, here's how we do it. We don't care if you like it or not. Isn't that true? How would you like to uh, uh, order fried chicken and have them bring you tofu? Well, I know what you ordered, but this is better for you. Guys, a good waiter waitress brings you what you want. They want you to be satisfied. Let me tell you what happened. I like to take my wife out. I love to take my wife out to eat. We're going to be eating. We fly out here tomorrow. We got a four-hour layover in... uh, Minneapolis, Minneapolis, and I'm already excited. Taken to a restaurant in the airport, and just I like, I like, I like going to. I like to, going out to eat with my wife. I like having her eat with me. I like to watch her eat. Honey, <laughs> maybe, maybe you could use this the silverware. <laughs> yeah, I know, but it's spaghetti. Well, maybe you could just use one hand. I like taking my wife out to eat. We were newly married, and the price of a night out, just going to a steak place, was something I didn't have. I saved up for it, taking my wife out. And, and I'm going to tell you, you may not believe it or not, I like my steak medium rare. You can have it any way you want. doesn't bother me. If you like it well done, I hope you get it always well done. Like it rare, fine. And if if I order it medium rare, and they bring me a well done steak, you know what I do? I eat it say why I don't want to waste the steak if they got it wrong I'll eat it no problem you know I can chew them my shoes but this day we went into the steak restaurant we're having coffee and salad and the waitress came over she's an older lady she said what do you have we both ordered steaks how do you want to cooked both want them medium rare and off she goes to the kitchen and so Kathy and I just have a nice time having our coffee and salad and she comes out with these two steaks now you know you're in trouble when you get a steak and it is shaped like this, and it's about that thing, and I, I felt like a prophet, without even knowing, I felt like this was there's going to be nothing red in the middle of the steak. And sure enough, she walked off. I cut it, well done. Kathy cuts hers, well done. I love my wife. I want to take her out for a nice steak, and that's not a nice steak for her. So I called the waitress over. And I said, she's uh, there a problem? I said, ma'am, I said, when we ordered these steaks, uh, how do we order them? She said, medium rare. I said, well, look, that's because, oh, that is not medium rare. I'll go get you two more steaks. Okay. I don't like that, but th- this is a special night. She goes off. It's a good thing I had cut them. We had more coffee while she was gone to salad. If I had not cut those steaks, I'd have thought she brought the same ones back. Only this was the left shoe. I look at them, they are they're as brown as this pulpit, they are about as hard as this pulpit. And she walks off, and, and I'm looking at Kathy, she's looking at me, and we're kind of, I, she was a prophet, prophetess that day. We cut into them, cooked all the way through. But I want my wife to have a nice steak, and I want her husband to have a nice steak. She says, Is there any problem? I said, uh, When we ordered these steaks, how do we ask you to cook them? She said, Medium rare. I said, look at that. She goes, that is not medium rare. She must have never looked at the plate. She said, I'm going to get you two more steaks. Now, I'm getting a little under conviction. I told Kathy, they're going to kill every cow in the state. We're going to see them leading one in, okay? So we had more coffee and salad. She did not have to bring the next two steaks to me. She could have pointed to the table, and they could have walked there themselves. I could have gotten a transfusion from these two steaks. They were not medium rare. They were not rare. I mean, they were raw. She put them on and walked off. She put them on and walked off. She never looked at them. I could have taken them home and cooked them. And we're staring at them. And she comes back over. She goes, uh, you're not in your steak. Is there a problem? I said, look at that. She goes, those aren't even cooked. Brilliant probably voted for biden eight times <laughs> but then she said what she should have said you know what she said what can i do to, to make this right and i said well ask your manager to kill the cook no i said ask your manager so i think i think the cook you know he was mad by, by the third steak i think he went give this to them i mean you know i said ask your manager if we can just pay for the coffee and a salad and we'll just go someplace else. And she goes, okay. So she goes to the manager and he says, she said, he said, no charge, you can go. So we went someplace else and got a steak. And, and I don't blame that lady, but you know what? She knew her customers should be satisfied when they leave. And I was not satisfied with the steak, but I was satisfied that they let it, they gave us the coffee and salad free. They should have done something. Did you ever get a bad meal and they took it off the bill? That's how they should. Or they said, I'm so sorry, uh, I gave you a free dessert. That's good business, do you understand? I tell my guys, I said, every now and then when somebody buys, if they buy a particular book, give them about three or four of them free. You say, why? Let's make them some money. Let them make some money. I don't care. We're serving them. Guys, do you ever even check on how God wants something? Let me ask you a question. Have you ever had this happen? Did you ever feel like you needed to pray? And when you got down on your knees, you, you didn't have anything to say. Anybody ever do that? You know what I always thought when that happens? Maybe he's trying to talk to me. So I just get on my knees and shut up. You should be there. I shut up. <laughs> and I just say, okay, God, my, my line is open. I'm, I'm here to hear from you. And I'm sorry, guys. If he will just take care of everything I tell him to take care of, make sure the kids don't chip their tooth on a, on a fountain at, the, at school, whatever, we're okay. But we never say, what will satisfy you? Do you understand that our entire purpose for being here is to satisfy him? And we've only got him to wait on. So a good waiter or waitress, they want your satisfaction taken care of. A good, sati- uh, a good, I only got two more. A good waiter or waitress checks on you regularly. Did you ever have one, really, they put the food on the plate and they're never back? You see them over there talking to three or four of the other workers or they're going like this. You want, and honest, I've, you know, you, you take the water glass and it's empty, so you put it at the edge of the table. Do you ever know, they, they have this, if they walk past your table, here's your table, and they walk like this. I got an empty coffee cup here, I got an empty water glass. I'm saying, Kathy, if I shatter this glass on the floor, you think they'll notice us? You know, a good waiter, waitress comes back and says, have you ever had one say, you need anything else? And I said, yeah, uh, we used up our cream. Oh, I'll get it. And they bring out a soup bowl full of cream. This is a good person. Okay. But a good waiter, waitress, do you ever have them come back and say, is your meal okay? You got everything you need? Uh, I've had, I have said, I have done it. I said, you know, we don't have any sweetener for our coffee. She goes, I'll go get it. Boom. Back. Brings out all the sweetener we needed. That is good service, is it not? But they check on you. They want to make sure. You know, I don't know why this is about Chinese restaurants. You can't get an empty water glass in a Chinese restaurant. When that thing is half empty, somebody comes by and fills it up. God bless them. Because I've had them where I'm dying. <laughs> Man, I can't even do the Heimlich. It's stuck in my throat and I don't have coffee or water. I'll go to somebody else's table. Please get me. Drink it. <clears throat> a good waiter or waitress, this is true, impresses you. You know, you, you can have a nice time with your wife or your husband or whatever, and have it ruined by a bad waiter or waitress. You ever have that happen? Did you ever have one that was good? And they make your night. Let me tell you about the most impressive waiter I ever met. You won't believe it. Uh, I was pastoring in upstate New York. Me and about eight of my guys church went out for breakfast one Saturday morning. At a ma-paw restaurant. It wasn't a greasy spoon. It was clean. This is one of them ma restaurants. This kid comes out to wait on us. He looked like he was the entire backfield for the high school football team. He was about this wide. He had a head like this. His neck was about this big. And you know what we ate that day? What he told us to. <laughs> he comes out like this. Boom, boom, boom. No pen, no pad, and says, what do you have? What do you want? What want you get out here alive. I told him what I wanted. I told him I wanted my eggs. I told him everything I wanted. What do you have? And he, he never wrote anything down. Nine of us. He went, nine of us, took the orders. Who wanted wheat toast? Who wanted white toast? Who wanted this? Who wanted that? And I thought, this is going to be one of the most impressive meals I've ever had for one reason or another. <laughs> he's either going to bring it all out or he's going to give us chicken soup that none of us ordered. I mean, it's, it's going to be horrible or it's going to be great. Nobody's going to argue with the kid. will kill us. So all the time we're talking, I'm telling you, I'm distracted because all I can think about is this, this kid bringing this breakfast out. And this boy brought everything out the way it was ordered. Never put one item in front of the wrong person. He never, somebody said, oh, oh, you gave me white toast. Uh, That's his, I wanted wheat toast. No, no, no. He put everything, the eggs were cooked exactly the way they were. It was amazing. I never got that kid. That was 40 years ago. Wouldn't it be nice? Wouldn't it be nice? If we so well serve this God of ours, if we did it such a good job, they looked around to the angels and said, Hey Mike, Gabe, come here, You know what this guy did for me? Let me let me tell you what he did for me. Wouldn't it be something if we were such good waiters or waitresses that he was impressed with our service? And now I'm done. And when you go to a waiter, when you go to a restaurant, and you have a waiter or waitress, when do they get the tip? They get it when you're done. Nobody tips a waiter when you walk in the restaurant. You tip them when you're done. I'm going to tell you what I do when I have bad service. I always leave a track. But if I have bad service, I give them a good tip. You say, bad service? Yeah, I'm not going to leave a gospel track and leave a bad tip. But if I get good service, I give them a great tip. I want them to know they really did their job today. I want to give them more than, thank you, your service was good. Do you understand? So if they're bad, they get a a good tip. tip. And if they're good, they get a great tip. And I wouldn't doubt every Christian in this room, you're looking for a good tip when we get on the other side. You're hoping that God will say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You're hoping that you will have something waiting over there for you for all of the waiting on him you did. So the question is, how are you doing? Do you notice? Do you notice anything about him? Do you you sweat the small things? Do you see to it? Are you concerned that he is satisfied, not you? Do you understand what's important when you wait? And what does it say? Whoso keepeth the fig tree shall eat the fruit thereof, so he that waiteth on his master shall be honored. You all have a master. Our master has holes in his hands. Our master died on a cross. Don't tell me he didn't, didn't give it everything he had. I can't believe people, they want, they, they'll, take, they'll take God giving them everything he's got, but they won't give them half of what they got. Let's give it everything we got. And if, he, if he's going to review your service, don't they do that now? Oh, yeah, there's a uh, thing at the bottom of the, of the bill. You can uh, tell them what you thought of my service. If reviewed, you reviewed your life service, how big would the tip be? Because everybody wants a big tip. I'd like you to stand with your heads bowed. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I want you to do one thing this morning. Review your service for the Lord. Are you more concerned with him serving you than you serving him? You don't want to be inconvenienced. You don't, you don't sweat the little things. There's little things in your life that you think, well, they're just little. Who's going to notice that? God notices that. You know, you only need one fly and a meal to ruin it. It's a little thing. Maybe this morning I'm going to have a word of prayer in just a moment. When I get done praying, the piano's going to begin to play. And maybe somebody needs to come down here and say, Lord, have I been a good waiter? Have I been a good waitress? Lord, how's my service been? Because I know you all want a good tip, but you get the good tip for the good service. And no one is more worthy of good service than the one who shed his blood for us. And you only got one customer. Can't you do this? Father, thank you for all you've done for us. There's not one saved person in here that all you did was save them. There are changed lives here. There are people that know they'd be be in prison. They'd be living on the street. They'd be dead. You gave them more than just salvation. You gave them a life. You put them in this church and you use them. God, what I pray, I don't condemn anybody in this room. I'm not trying to guilt trip anybody, God. But please, just have these people review their service to you. Maybe they don't see where they dropped the ball. Maybe they don't see where they were thinking of themselves, not you. So let them see it, because if they can get something squared away this morning, they can be better servants for you, better waiters and waitresses. And then, when this is all over, you can give them a good tip. I pray they all get to earn, earn. A good tip. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, the piano plays. If you need to come and talk to the Lord, why don't you come? Lord, how's my service been? What about the the little things, guys? What about the little things? Now, if you're here this morning and you haven't trusted Jesus Christ, your personal Savior, are you ever in the right place today? I'm sure if the starter goes out in your car, you don't go to the restaurant to get a starter. You go to the auto parts place. And if you're hungry, you don't go to the emergency room. You do that if you break your leg. If you're hungry, you go to a restaurant. And if you want to be saved, this is the place. So if you need to trust Jesus Christ, your personal Savior this morning, I will guarantee you there is somebody in this room who can tell you exactly what you need to do. You can walk in this room on the way to hell and walk out of this room on your way to heaven you can't beat that guys you cannot beat that so if you need to come you come but you waiters and waitresses how's your service been for your customers Thank you, Brother Gibbon, for that message this morning.